0: Saying nearer, my God, to Thee, nearer to Thee, even though it be a cross that raiseth me, still all my song shall be nearer, my God, to Thee. The challenge this morning in the message that I want to emphasize is: When was the last, or is that really? your heart's desire. Is that really my heart's desire, to be nearer to God, to really know him, to really experience him? And I'll preface it with this, that a battle, I, 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 I toss around a little bit about whether I should actually preach this or not because really I needed to study this myself. I needed to take a look at this myself. And so I'm sharing with you some things that I've challenged. I'm challenging myself with, as well. <clears throat> and then on the way here, Rose read off something that uh, our daughter-in-law had written about porches and spending time on porches, and just spending time on porches, just spending time, talking if there's something to say, and not talking if there's nothing to say. And I feel like we've reached an era, and some of you. I hope we're doing better at this than myself, but we don't spend enough of time to just spend time and uh, with God and try to experience Him. So I'm challenged by the story of Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, and his battle here with Syria. <clears throat> one of the intriguing stories of Scripture, I think it's one of my favorite, uh, a very um, unconventional approach to a desperate situation, but a, a lot of lessons that we can learn from it. Jehoshaphat was, was the son of Asa, king of Judah, and if you study the kings and chronicles, you, you know in the, in the book of Judges, you know that, that the, the kingly reign, uh, the history of the children of Israel had its ups and its downs, and sometimes we wondered if the downs were more often than the ups, but Asa was a king who was a good king of Judah. The Bible says he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away all the idols of the strange God. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of the fathers to the point that, uh, and to do the law and, and the commandment. <clears throat> he recognized, Asa did, that the rest that they were experiencing in the land was a result. And think about this. Chapter 14, verse 7 and Second Chronicles, the rest that they experienced in the land was a result of seeking God. In chapter fourteen, verses nine through fifteen, then Asa goes to tells us the story of the battle with the Ethiopians, and we'll move on down and come closer to. Um, let me say this yet: in chapter fifteen, Azariah made a prophecy. And in in 15 verse 2, Azariah's prophecy was this, that the Lord is with you while you be with him. If you seek him, he will be found of you. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. And the children of Judah entered into a covenant in chapter 15, 12 through 13, we see it to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul, to the point that anyone who didn't seek him would be put to death. And it's in this setting that Jehoshaphat became, uh, becomes the king of, of Judah. And he, builds on, he built on the character, on the foundation that was laid by his father. Chapter 17, 3 through 6 tells us that the Lord was with him. Because he walked in the ways, in the first ways of David. And because he sought to the Lord God of his father. And because he walked in his commandments. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Because he walked with God. He sought God and he walked in his commandments. That was, sounds like our Sunday school lesson this morning, doesn't it? His heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord and so the lord established the king of judah the kingdom of judah because of jehoshaphat's walk with the lord in chapter 17 7 through 9 we see that jehoshaphat set up a teaching program throughout the kingdom teaching the laws of the lord he was active he was proactive in teaching the laws of the lord In chapter eighteen, Jehoshaphat made some choices that seems like maybe not the best choices they have made. And I find this interesting because it's good. I think that the Bible tells us and teaches us that the, the the ups and downs even of individuals that sometimes we make good choices, sometimes we don't. But because Jehoshaphat recognized the choices that he had made, he cried out and, and cried out to God for help. God spared him, and God gave him another chance. And he was able in chapter 19 to come back to Jerusalem in peace. Moving then into chapter 20. The portion of scripture that Daniel read. Jehoshaphat is there. Had Just come through some of these other things. And the word comes to him about this multitude, this huge army that's coming up. And as Daniel already mentioned, I really appreciate that uh, little bit of a geography lesson there. They already were in En And En actually was only about 36 miles away from Jerusalem, if, if I'm understanding it correctly. So they were not far away. Um, take a group of that. And if they were walking at 10 miles an hour, maybe three hour, three days away, I'm not sure how that all panned out. But they were not far away. And, and, the, and the people of Judah and people in Jerusalem recognized this, and they were scared. They were frightened. They feared, verse 3. Jehoshaphat feared this huge army that was coming. But notice what Jehoshaphat did, and this is the part that, that stands out to me the most. And we'll see this theme throughout this, this whole story. Jehoshaphat set himself to seek the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast throughout all Jerusalem. Jehoshaphat faced a a daunting army, a fearful situation, but he stopped and he set himself to seek the Lord. He set himself, he put himself in position to seek the Lord. And they all got together in verse 4. Judah got together to ask help of the Lord. Out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek of the Lord. It's interesting to me here that that Jehoshaphat didn't go to Israel for an alliance with them as he had done previously. Instead, the people gathered together. They came from all over Judah to ask help for the Lord. They came to seek the Lord. There we have that word, seek again. They came to seek the Lord. They set themselves, they position themselves to seek the Lord, to hear what God has to say. And Jehoshaphat, verse 5, stands before the people and he invokes the sovereignty of God. And it's an interesting prayer, verses 6 through uh, 12. 6 through 12, um, study that prayer. Jehoshaphat cried out to God and he, he poured it on thick. He laid it out before God. He says, he invokes the sovereignty of God in verse 6. In verse 8, he reminded God of, that they had built a sanctuary for him. This temple that was in Jerusalem was built for him for the name of God. He reminded God that they had done this for him. And in verse 9, he said, if we stand before this house, if when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, And in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then wilt thou hear and help? He wasn't asking God if he would hear and help. He said, if we stand here, you will help us. If we stand in this house, if we stand in your presence, and if we cry unto you in our affliction, you will hear and you will help. Jehoshaphat really laid it out before God. And he reminds God of his promises. He reminded God of the Abrahamic covenant that promised the land to his people. He reminded, he told God that we have no might. Verse 12. We have no might against this great company that cometh us, against us. Neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon you. This was more than they can handle. They would recognize that. They were way too weak to handle this army. And furthermore, they didn't even know what to do. They didn't know where to start. And so they paused and they stopped and they set themselves to seek the Lord. All Judah, verse 13 says, stood before the Lord. All Judah. The children, the women, the little ones, everyone stood before Judah. Not just the army, not just the leaders, not just the men, not just the husbands, all the people stood before Judah. There was a revival. There was a moving of God taking place here. Because we see it in verse 14. The spirit of the of God came upon Jehaziel. And he prophesied. Notice his prophecy. He simply said, don't be afraid. The battle isn't yours, but it's God's. He still didn't tell him what to do. He said, you won't need to fight but verse 17 in verse 17 if you forget if you if you forget everything else in this message this morning remember verse 17 you shall not need to fight in this battle set yourselves stand ye still see the salvation of the lord with you o judah and jerusalem fear not nor be dismayed tomorrow go out against them but the lord will be with you set yourselves stand still see the salvation of the Lord. Fear not. Go out because God will be with you. After Jehoshaphat's prayer of reminding God that God will be with him. I got this friend up here that's pesky. I guess we'll let him. Help keep me awake, right? After Jehoshaphat's prayer then the Spirit of God came on Jehaziel, and Jehaziel prophesied to the people, challenging them, inspiring them, commanding them to set yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Fear not. Go out, for the Lord will be with you. But he still didn't give them a battle plan. He hadn't given them instructions of what to do. And, and the people worshiped. Verse 18 and 19, Jehoshaphat bowed his head to the ground, with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. They were up against, you might say, they were like between a rock and a hard place. They had this fearful, formidable army on the way, 36 miles away. And they paused, they stopped, they set themselves to seek the Lord. And God revealed himself to them and they worshiped in the midst of this. Can you imagine the, uh, you know, it, the Bible kind of makes it look easy that all the women came, the wives, the children, everybody came. But the, you know why they came? Because they were scared. And can you imagine the franticness that may have been in the air, the desperateness that was in the air as they gathered together? This wasn't just a, a Sunday afternoon church picnic. This was They got together out of desperation, out of fear. But God spoke to them. God met them there because they set themselves to seek him, and they worshiped, and they worshiped together. A powerful moment, I believe. A group of the Levites stood up and began praising the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice, it says. In the middle of a fearful, desperate situation, they worshipped. They positioned themselves first to seek God. They took time to listen to his message. And with the message from God, with the experience of collective worship on their minds... And in their hearts, they retired for the night. It doesn't really say that, but we can assume that because verse 20 says they rose early the next morning. So something they did between then the time of worship and the next morning. They retired for the night. And I wonder sometimes when I read this, I wonder if they, um, how that was for them. Did they go and did they rest well? Or did they toss and turn with fear in their hearts? And I kind of tend to think that they probably had a restful night. And they rested in peace that night because they had heard from the Lord and they were trusting in him. Verse 20, they rose up early and they headed for the wilderness of Tekoa. And then in the middle of verse 20, Jehoshaphat stood up. He stood. Now he was probably standing anyway, but I think it, it, this kind of implies that he, he took charge of the situation. And he said, hear me, O Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God so shall ye be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall ye be prosper. There was, this was a moment of faith. This was an act of faith. A desperate, a de- an intentional choice to believe. He's challenging them to believe because when you believe, you'll be established. When you believe, you'll prosper. That, that step of faith that they were taking. And in verse 21, finally they came up with a battle plan. There was nothing. And I, I quizzed myself on this because I thought, I kind of thought that there was something had said earlier in this, before this point, that, that there were they, what they were going to do when they go to meet the, this formidable army. But it wasn't until they were actually on the way, and then they stopped, and Jehoshaphat stood, and he, he told them what to do. He consulted with the people, and then he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went before the army, and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Now, did you ever hear the likes? We did, because we read this story. We've known this story for years. But imagine you had never read this story. What kind of battle plan do you think? Now, wouldn't we get together and we would probably lay out some papers like the army generals do now, and they say, well, if they come down this way, then we're going to do this. If they come from up here, we're going to come down here. And all kinds of strategies and, and, and all kinds of ideas, but all with with weapons of warfare and with um, man-made instruments, if you please. But this battle plan said, go and sing. Sing before the arm, the, the enemy. And that's what they did. It seems to me that their connection with God the evening before, their intentionality in, setting, in standing still and in seeking God gave them the emotional and, the, and the, the mental and emotional capacity to come up with a good strategy, to come up with a good plan. And it seemed like a ridiculous one at best. But it wasn't until the next morning, till they were on their way, that God, that they, yes, God gave them this plan, and they went to, to, they went singing as on their way to meet the enemy, and you know the story, they started singing, praising the beauty of holiness, praising the Lord because of his unfailing mercy, and it seems that all heaven broke loose, and God released ambushments, and they started Killing each other, the enemy started killing each other and killing themselves until it was all said and done. There was not a one left. Verse twenty-four: Behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And they had three days. It took them three days to gather all the spoil. And even in the middle of that, they had a worship service in the valley of Barakah. And they came back to Jerusalem, praising and worshiping God. They had rest as a nation because the fear of the Lord was on all the neighboring countries. The nations around them recognized that God had won the battle for them. So some of the lessons I want to take from this story. You know, we could could look at the lessons of leadership. There's lessons of Jehoshaphat's leadership here to be learned. We could even look at... um, the, the effects of a son being taught well by his father and, and how that passes on down through the generations, <clears throat> but I 'd like to focus on a moment on a thought that seems to be intertwined through all this through this whole chapter and the life of Jehoshaphat. If we want God to be with us, then we need to be with him. And if we want to be with him, then we need to seek him. And to find him, we need to position ourselves. We need to set ourselves in a position so that we can seek him. Nearer, my God, to thee. Nearer to thee. Even though it be a cross. Whatever it is. Put ourselves in position to seek him. It takes intentionality and it takes discipline. <clears throat> I already talked about and mentioned the, the clamor and the desperation in this story. Can you imagine uh, what all must have been going on in this, uh, with this approaching army already within 36 miles away. All of Judah in Jerusalem was in a state of alarm, but they stopped and they set themselves in position to seek the face of the Lord. To see God, we need to stand in his presence. Verse 13, they all stood before the Lord. And to me, that's that standing. So if they were standing, we know they weren't sleeping. If they were standing, they weren't moving. But they were standing before him, and standing before him to me speaks of anticipating a message, waiting for something, expecting something from him, a, a, an act of reverence uh, standing before him. Kneeling before him would have been an act of reverence as well. But they stopped, and they set themselves in position to seek the face of the Lord. There's tremendous power and blessing in collectively standing before God and seeking God. And I'm thankful for this habit, if you would please, that we have of of gathering together on a Sunday morning to worship together different times over the years when our family was on vacation, sometimes we just have our own church service and sometimes we went to visit. And we have some fond memories of the little Baptist chapel up there in uh, Pine Creek Valley just outside Cedar Run of uh, Sunday mornings and going something. There's still something, even though they were Baptist, even though it was a vacation church, even though it wasn't like being here. There was something about collectively gathering that carries with it a, um, a depth a benefit that, that is even beyond just a smaller gathering at home. <clears throat> so my question for us this morning is, have you heard from God recently? Have you really paused in meditation on his word long enough to hear Maybe you all have it figured out. I confess I don't because it takes deliberation. Because even when I take time to sit down and and read God's word, I have to discipline myself to, to to focus and to allow what I'm reading to really speak to me. Otherwise, I can read and I can be thinking something over here or I can be thinking about, um, what I'm going to be doing today at work or what happened last night or something yesterday that may have upset me or whatever it may be. All kinds of thoughts can be in or my, my mind, if, but I need to d- discipline myself. And reading the Bible through in a year's time is good, but if you don't discipline yourself to take the time to allow it to benefit you, it won't because, you know, you got that goal. i got four pages to read or however many it is. And then I'm, I got my quota done for today, and then I buzz through it, and I quick say a couple of prayers. We live in a time of, of a lot of quick, easy stuff, 10-minute devotionals and whatnot. But is that really hearing God? Is that really calming ourselves before him? Is that really setting ourselves to seek him? Have you stood before God recently, calming your spirit? Before him, shutting out the noise and clamor of life, not in a moment of desperation because you were in your wits like the children of Judah were here, but simply because you wanted to hear from him, simply because you really expected to hear from him. I was challenged last Sunday, and for those of you who were here, and if you weren't here, look up the message if you can, it was, it'd be worth hearing, it'd be worth your time. Um, to, to hear that message. But Mel Zilk in his message last Sunday mentioned that in his 30, I had referred to him that he was ordained 27 or 28 years and I was wrong. Um, it was longer than that and I was simply going by, I knew that he was ordained before I was and and I don't, if, if my history is right, there was if Mel was ordained in the local Beachy churches and then I was, would have been the next ordination. So I thought it must have been just a few years before I was ordained, but I was wrong. Anyway, Mel mentioned In his message last Sunday that in in the 30-some years of his ministry, he never counseled someone who has a living, vibrant walk with God and his word. That's a challenge to me. That stood out to me because it's so easy to get busy. It's so easy to get bogged down with life and, 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 and wear ourselves out, doing all kinds of things, even good things, but not spending time with God. And sometimes it seems like we don't have time. To spend time and that with him, and that's where the hard work comes in of making the time and disciplining ourselves to go through the hard work of focusing on God, setting ourselves to seek Him, putting ourselves in position to where we can hear Him, and maybe we've shied away from some of this because of some of the movement that is prevalent. You know about each of us hearing from God individually, and, hear, and sometimes that is held up over God's Word. That's not what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about setting ourselves to read the Word, to hear what God has to say to us through the Word, even gathering together collectively and hearing, worshiping together and seeking God, meeting Him, seeing Him, hearing what He has to say in a collective worship. <clears throat> I become increasingly convinced that if we set ourselves to seek him and to stand in his presence and believe in his word, we can stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I need it. You need it. The church at mine Road really needs it. The church at large needs it. The world needs it. Needs to hear from God. Are we taking that time to set ourselves and see Seek his face and see the salvation of the Lord. Let's kneel for prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the lessons. There are many rich lessons that we learn. And Father, we confess, I confess, that so many times I've buzzed through the lessons and don't learn what you want me to learn. I pray, Father, for courage and strength on each one of us, to do the hard work of seeking your face, of setting ourselves in position and taking the time to hear what you have to say, to really seek you, to really know you. Because we know that you want to know us. You've promised in your word that if we walk with you, you'll walk with us. Forgive us where we've failed. And I pray, Father, for strength and courage to be faithful and true to you. Pray your blessing on each one in the audience this morning, each one who may have heard this message in various ways. I pray the blessing of the preaching of your word on each one and to your honor and glory in Jesus' name.